Two weeks ago, thank you, Jack, for sharing the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure that it was a great message two weeks ago. I just don't know what it was on. Was it on Pentecost? Uh, it was Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to go ahead and give another Pentecost message this morning. So hopefully uh, it'll all complement one another. Uh, well, this one's just, it. for me, I, I really felt like it was important to come back and make a proclamation about this for a couple of reasons. But let me begin with Acts 1, verse 8, uh, and then, uh, of course, in chapter 2. First, in Acts 1, 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And then in chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost, which is... It was the 50th day after the Passover. It's a normal day of feast for the Jewish people. Uh, Suddenly, from heaven, a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole room and the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of the uh, fire uh, as distributing themselves. And they were resting on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were Jews there from all over the world. And they heard, uh, where are we at? Verse 6. When they, the sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing him speak in his own language from all different places around the world. And they said, well, what does this mean? Some said, They're full of wine. I'm skipping down, I know, quickly. Verse 14, Peter stood up and said, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, uh, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they will prophesy. I want to talk this morning about something that in my own journey has been an interesting experience, Pentecost. Um, before I go into the message that I want to share, what was coming to my mind this morning was that you know I grew up in a traditional Reformed background, Christian Reformed background, which means that we had a, a pretty stark view of God, mainly that he was pretty perturbed. But we were really happy that we had Jesus that decided to take up the bill on our account. Okay, that's kind of the way that we sort of saw God, but and and we had a very low view about how we saw ourselves. And so for a young man who grew up in that sort of background and add to that being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, I had a really interesting view about God. And so when I was 10 years old, my parents had an encounter in their lives in which someone had invited them for whatever reason to a meeting And it was a meeting where they saw and experienced both. They saw some things that were happening that 
in, in, individuals were being healed, but one of those individuals was my brother. And it was an incredible moment. And all of a sudden, all the little neat little boxes that we had God in sort of went boom. And so from that age on, I sat in all kinds of different meetings and all kinds of very different stripes and versions, but many of them, what I would call my charismatic Pentecostal stream. And so in those days, I remember being in meetings where there would be an individual that would come and begin to share and begin to talk about, first of all, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, but they were sharing with this incredible sense of exceptionalism. So if you, so I, I concluded the idea that if you really get zapped good by God, you would wind up being a really exceptional guy. But remember, I didn't have much of a view of myself, so I was always looking at this as if I was the one lacking and I needed something. And so it added to that version of, of God being distant and delayed, this idea that somehow he was holding out. So if you do something a little better, he'll give you a little more. And so this idea that Pentecost, and, and especially being taught from the idea of a second grace that was coming, um, it, it sort of fit into this weird sort of thinking. So and some of you may have had this experience where you were told, that you didn't really have the Holy Spirit unless you could do certain things like speak in tongues. Um, and so, you know, I remember finally as an adult beginning to realize, I'm not sure that I could support that view in the Scripture. It doesn't make sense. I began to read the witness of the Scripture and question that, and then begin to see what the person, the work of the Holy Spirit was all about. Acts 1.8, it's power for witness. Not just to be exceptional, and it was given to all, Paul, Peter says. This promise is for all, right? Are we agreed about that? All. And so, you know, uh, Lord, you know, what do we do? Acts, I'm sorry, I was, I was quoting Acts 1.8, uh, Acts 2.38. You know, what do we do? Repent and be baptized because this promise is for all. Can we all say what? All. And so I, I had an, a, a neighbor that was beginning to sit down with me. I, here I am in my 20s. I'm beginning to get my head around this. And this guy sits and he begins to talk to me about whether or not I've really got it. And I knew what he was after. Uh, so he used the illustration talking about the person who was taking a trip across the ocean and they had a third class ticket and suddenly... The night before the end of this transatlantic cruise that they'd taken, realized that he had availability to all the first class, what shall we say, benefits. There, I was looking for the word. Come on, baby, thank you. And, and so I thought, oh, I recognize what you're saying to me. <laughs> I believe in Jesus, but I'm really not a first class citizen yet because I really haven't got the whole thing. And... Uh, and I realize how harmful some of this has become. And so I, I just want to speak a blessing over us. When we think about the idea of Pentecost, I want to remind us that Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone, wait for you to jump on a foot. I'm coming to you. And, and later then Peter proclaims this promise is for how many? All. So the message I want to share with us this morning is not about sensationalism, but it's about the normal reality of the promise of the Father for all of us. 
The message I want to share is not my own. It comes from St. John Chrysostom. Part of the reason I like being able to share sometimes, at times, messages from church fathers, uh, one is, this one's 1,900 years old. It was first preached in Antioch. Okay, the first church where they were called Christians outside of Jerusalem. Hmm. But it's as relevant as ever and is solidly based in the Scripture. And it gives this sense of scope to the work of the Holy Spirit, which means this. Which My point is, some of us who grew up in some of those charismatic traditions, you understand what I say. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the Pentecostal movement, which is fairly new in church history, begins to carry itself as if they, they just found out that the Holy Spirit just got found out. That's not true, beloved. The Spirit was there in creation. And so this message gives us a broader scope. All right? So I'm just going to share this uh, uh, message, and then I want to bring it to a close to a couple of things. Trust me, I don't think I'm going to go too terrible long. All right, here we go. Uh, let us exalt the grace of the Holy Spirit in spiritual hymns. Since grace has on this day manifested itself from heaven, even though our words are inadequate to express the, the magnitude of this grace, we shall praise its power and activity insofar as we are able. For the Holy Spirit delves into, watch this, all things, even the profundities of the divinity. We're celebrating the day of Pentecost, the day of the descent of the Spirit on the apostles, the day of hope, the hope of perfection the end of expectation, the longing for salvation, the fulfillment of prayer, the image of patience. Today, the Spirit who acted to scatter the nations in the time of Heber has formed tongues of fire among the apostles. His action of old led to the confusion of the nations in order to rein in the brazenness of our will and forestall its natural ruinous end. On this occasion, however, amid tongues of fire, the deeds performed by the activity of the Spirit are yet aimed at enabling us to receive in teaching and in fulfillment and alignment with the will of God. In the beginning, the Spirit of God moved over the water, and later in the time of Christ, the same Spirit rested on Christ. First He moved, now He rested as being one in essence, equal in honor, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. The Spirit heralded the fair weather to Noah over the waters of the flood. At the waters of the Jordan, the same Spirit revealed to the world the sonship of Him who is being baptized, Jesus Christ. Declaring his desire for the Spirit, David prayed, Do not turn your countenance away from me. Don't take your Spirit from me. It's common knowledge. Where he is absent, every sort of corruption sets in. The Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and the evil spirit entered him. This is maybe why David said, take not your spirit from me. This same spirit sanctified prophets, instructed apostles, empowered martyrs. This same spirit consecrated Isaiah, taught Ezekiel, revealed to him the resurrection of the dead. The same Spirit chose Jeremiah from his mother's womb, raised up Daniel. David loved the presence of this same Holy Spirit when he prayed, Your Holy Spirit will lead me into the land of uprightness. This same Spirit of God came to dwell in Mary, 
embracing her with the communion of the divine word as the Father wished, and making her the mother of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth realized that the Lord had come to her through Our Lady and said, How is it that the mother of our Lord should come to visit me? Zechariah, the father of John, was filled with this same spirit and declared that his son born to him would be a prophet and a forerunner of the king who was to come. John the baptizer, also filled with this same spirit. His eyes were illumined, and he beheld the heavens open and the spirit hovering over him who was baptized and who was baptized with the spirit and fire. When he was giving the apostles his teaching, Jesus in detail strengthened their minds for the time of his passion by the action of the Spirit, saying, unless I depart, the Comforter will not come to you. Moreover, he revealed the Spirit's consubstantial nature, that is the triune nature, when he said, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, remember, who is, who is the truth? Jesus, right? I am the way, the truth. He will guide you into truth. The holy apostles waited expectantly for the coming of the Spirit. They waited to be clothed with power. So it's written, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were assembled in one accord, and the Comforter was sent uh, to them, under the appearance of tongues of fire, they received the indwelling spirit and they were strengthened. And it was revealed to them who was sent to them. The abundant promise of the Father, His grace and His power. And beloved, let me proclaim this this morning. That promise is for how many? All. Stephen, the martyr and the first deacon, was filled with this spirit. When he was, uh, received the laying on of hands and the doors of heaven were opened and he saw the only begotten Son and the Word of God standing in the flesh at the right hand of the power of God, filled with the Spirit, Paul became a preacher of divine ministry, uh, mysteries. This same spirit came upon Cornelius and those who were baptized with him. The same spirit came upon the Ethiopian eunuch after he went down into the water and filled with elation, went his way rejoicing. This spirit who is preached by the prophets, understood by the apostles, and spoke, uh, spoken of to the people, he was given to them by the Lord. And all their adversaries were unable to resist them because, as the Lord said, if you speak, it will not be you but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The Spirit ordains men and women, consecrates churches, purifies, perfects, cleanses, and empowers people. He abides with the godly, refines the righteous, guides men and women. He preserved the soul of Simeon, lengthening the length of his life and reversing the rules of death until he could behold him who was the redeemer of life and death because he had been promised by that spirit he would not taste of death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. This spirit gave strength to Elijah, whose power Elisha desired when he said, I pray you give me a double portion. This spirit enlightens souls, sanctifies bodies, once they, it, it was descended upon the apostles and filled them with divine wisdom. Once they received gifts and were filled with the knowledge of God, not only that they were given divine knowledge, but spiritual gifts. 
Therefore, my friends, let us strive to keep our minds, our bodies, and our spirits undefiled because those who have acquired the new body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit, have become true victors over the devil. May what the Spirit of God has said come to pass in me. Oh, beloved, there's a wonderful prayer right there. Ready? May what the Spirit of God has said come to pass in me. Part of the proclamation of the church over the ages has been, you've heard me say this, Christ has died, Christ has risen. Christ will come again, not distant and away, here in me. May what the Spirit of God has said come to pass in me. It was the Spirit of whom the Lord said, when he who breathed upon his disciples after his resurrection from the dead said, receive the Holy Spirit. The gifts of that Spirit are many, varied, and all-powerful. God's Son and Word, who is equally existent, equally without beginning, and who shares in the throne and the honor of God, called the Spirit, who is our advocate and comforter. What does Isaiah say of him? The Spirit of God, which proceeds from God the Father. Isaiah 11, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding. The Spirit of good understanding, uh, Spirit of wisdom and counsel and strength. I'm sorry, there's a repetition there. The Spirit of counsel and strength, um, because He's able to bring forth what is desired there. So it's Isaiah 11, uh, the seven spirits of God that are described there. And then it's uh, Paul who adds to it the Spirit of of adoption. Amen? And it's Ezekiel that promised that we would be given a new heart and a new spirit. He's one in essence, one in principle, one in counsel with the Father and the Son. Do you wish to believe what the Scriptures have said about Him? Will you believe what the Scriptures has said about Him? When he said, I will put my spirit in you, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. A spirit of adoption, Paul says, and a spirit of grace. Inasmuch as in the waters of baptismal, uh, baptismal font were born again of the water and the spirit and adopted as God's children, in that way, as the Lord said to Nicodemus, unless we're born of water and the spirit, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption and the spirit of grace. Since grace and truth came through Jesus, through the Spirit for those who've been born by the power of God. Moreover, the Spirit is called the Comforter, our advocate, with and for the Father. And not only is He with and for the Father, he is with us, too, as a gift. Ephesians 1, John 16. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you a comforter, so that he abide, may abide with you forever, comforting your hearts, making them steadfast in love and divine patience. Given that the holy apostles received this testament after Christ's 
holy resurrection from the dead. And they were sent forth to teach and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And since we've already been vouchsafed by the true washing of the Spirit, let us strive to keep our souls, our bodies, our minds undefiled as we glorify the most holy, consubstantial Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and evermore, unto the ages of ages. Amen and amen. So what does all that mean for us in 2023? Here's a few reasons why I think this is important, and it's important to proclaim. We have external and internal headlines that are hitting us absolutely every day. Here's what I want to proclaim over us, what Jesus said to you and to me. I will not leave you alone. We are not on our own, left on our own to, do our, to figure it out. John 1, 12 and 13. For as many as believed and received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, not born by their own human will or someone else's decision, but born of the Spirit of God. John 16. He's the one revealing God. God reveals God. This is the work of the Spirit, beloved. Oh, wait. So John 16, 8. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We didn't even get here by ourselves. You hear me? We're sitting here because he's at work. Even having a conversation with somebody who's struggling in their faith is a work of the Spirit. Okay, are you hearing me? Is anybody ever hearing me? We are not on our own and we're not alone. Number two, one of the most basic invitations of what it means to be a Jesus follower, beloved, is not whether or not we lean into some kind of exceptionalism or get to some point where we say, I got the first class ticket. It's that we learn to hear and to trust the voice of the Spirit in our life. I love the way that my wife coined this phrase. There are three voices that all of us will hear in our life. The voice of the flesh, the voice of the adversary, and the voice of the spirit. And man, sometimes you got to take a minute to sort them out. I've heard, I've heard good friends, ones that I care about, and they talk about a voice of shame that was speaking to them and they attribute it to God. Or a voice of condemnation. Man, God smacked me around like... Let me wait. Let's just think. Put our thinking cap on. There is therefore now no what? For those who are in Christ Jesus. That one wasn't him. But it might have sounded like him. Because you know what he can do? You know what the adversary will do sometimes? <laughs> He'll come in and go, hey, let me, let, me, let, me let me tell you something, what I know about God. Oh, wait, he did that to Jesus, remember? Right? So it's just a... And so, you know, when it comes to shame and condemnation, fear, 
perfect love dries out. So fear and shame, beloved, when those, when those buggers are, are driving you in your heart, when you steal your heart and say, wait a minute, what am I being driven by? Maybe you need to take a look at the voice. Number two, uh, the voice of the flesh um, that's, that's saying, hey, look what I've done. It's about me. <laughs> no, not really. That's the flesh, <laughs> and it just needs to die, Okay. And uh, I could spend, I, I could hand the mic over to my wife and she could talk to you about it for 20 minutes on that topic. But anyway, um, and then the voice of the Spirit. Oh, how do we do that? And boy, you know, is, is it like that one neighbor I had? You know, some mystical thing that happens all of a sudden? Now, Jesus said he's going to take from the Father, search out the deep things of the Father, and he's going to make it known to you. And then John, later in his life, he, he kind of gives us a couple of verifying points about this. He says, oh, wait, if it has to do with fear, it's not, it's not love. And, and by the way, if it's, if it's inviting you to love and, and revelation of Jesus Christ, that's the voice you need to pay attention to. And so learning to begin to discern that does it, sound like the witness of Jesus, oh, that makes sense. You know, I, I, I was talking about this exceptionalism or sensationalism. Uh, that was the next thing I was going to say. You know, is it sensation or is it submission? Is it, is it the, the movement of the Spirit? Can I just say this to you guys after, you know, doing this, walking with the Lord for a while in my life? Um, guys, it, more often than not, it's not about wow and pow and goose pimples. Uh, you know, those meetings I sat in, I was like, ooh. And, I, you know, I, as a pastor, I had somebody coming up say, oh, don't, don't tell them not to stop playing the piano. The Spirit's here. It's like, yeah, he's been here. He spoke the world into being. I don't want to be condescending, but it's like the keyboard isn't going to, you know, but we're not going to scare him off. Okay, so what, we, the, what is this about? Is it about that? And again, I do not want to diminish those powerful moments when we sense the presence of the Lord, and it really is a goose pimply moment. But what I'm trying to get us to see is that more often than not, it looks like the cross. It looks like self-giving, self-emptying, love and forgiveness in day-to-day -day life. It looks like being able to surrender to peace. It looks like being able to be in the midst of chaos and have the person of peace enabling me to surrender to peace. It looks like simple acts of self-giving love and forgiveness that are more powerful than anything that catches the attention of a platform. Beloved, I just want to proclaim this again and again and again. In my conclusion, I'm not alone to follow that leadership. And Jesus said, oh, that's the advocate. He's the one who's come. He's the comforter. And he's inviting us to continue to proclaim that reality. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're with me. I want to close this morning by... Um, 
yeah, as, as John Chrysostom said, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and evermore. Uh, let's, let's close with this prayer together. Would you guys stand with me? And this is just a, a I want to close with two prayers this morning. One is out of Acts, uh, Romans 5, 1 to 5, out of the voice translation. So let's go. Ready for this? Since we have been acquitted and made right through faith, we're able to experience true and lasting peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the liberating king. Jesus leads us into a place of radical grace where we are able to celebrate the hope of experiencing God's glory. And that's not all. We also celebrate in seasons of suffering. Because we know that when we suffer, we develop endurance, which shapes our characters. When our characters are refined, we learn what it means to hope and anticipate God's goodness. And hope will never fail to satisfy our deepest need because the Holy Spirit that was given to us has flooded our hearts with God's love. Amen and amen. So I'm going to invite us to come to the table, and we're going to be sharing in this proclamation of what God has done. I want to come back to that simple proclamation. May what the Spirit of God has said come to pass in me, the revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. So Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning with this simple proclamation and confession. Lord, we have sinned. Lord, we have sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed, by what we've done and left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbor as ourself, and we are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. And ask for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, to have mercy on us and to forgive us and to cleanse us. Now, may what the Spirit of God has said come to pass in us, that as we take of these symbols together, we proclaim this incredible reality, Jesus, that you said as we take of this cup and this bread, we participate in your life, in your death, in this proclamation, Christ has died, he has risen, and he will come again and be revealed again in me.